0: Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again or for the first time to my silly little podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and take a light-hearted, positive, fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless, set theme every episode, and I sometimes highlight some rock and roll bed shits just for some fun. It's really just an attempt to archive some stories, old YouTube interviews and some great songs for like-minded rock music fans. Choosing from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of laid-back, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some music or some merch, or listen to an old favourite album and check out all this amazing shit that I adore which has formed the soundtrack of my life. A lot of people do like to share their opinions these days. Please let me know if you think if I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at this is not a real email address at gofecky That's cock spelt with two K's, and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole Podcast or via the website arockandrollrabbithole.com That's com spelt with a c The website also has Spotify playlists of all of the songs used in each episode past episodes as well and some other golden magic and I also have some small playlists of the great lesser known artists that I like to highlight at the end of each episode on the Victims tab of the website Please rate, review, subscribe and share the podcast if you are digging it. That's super helpful and genuinely appreciated. Thanks again. Apologies in advance and here goes. There are so many Beatles podcasts out there. Some are great and some are shit house. And I'm hoping this one will be a little bit of both or at least somewhere in between. And Beatles opinions are like regrettable ex-partners, everyone has them, and I don't want to hear about them. So this episode won't be about my Beatles opinions, which you probably already know, just mathematical facts. It It will be long, it may be boring, but it will be an original take on the Beatles catalogue, and it was a real fun one for me to research and listen to a whole heap of tunes I haven't heard for years. So a bunch of weeks ago, I did three and a half triple-up episodes, which had a heap of Beatles songs with multiple years in them. In total, those nine Beatles songs have 138 years in them. And here's all 138 of them in their glory. (laughs) That was a joke. I'm not going to make myself or you sit through all of them. And because I have no real life to speak of outside of music and also because I love the Beatles, I have thought the unthinkable and extended on the multiple years, and I've stupidly decided to find all the Beatles songs that have even a single year in them. And also, how many times a Beatle sang a year on a studio record. And although they do have some years in their early inclusions of cover songs on albums, I'll just be adding the original penned years. I do plan to do an episode about my favorite Beatles songs and achievements, probably as my last episode ever, and I have previously done a Ringo episode, but as a gap filler, and because Yeah is such a positive vibe, sit back, clear your ears, and here's episode 60, yeah today I was going to go alphabetically, but I decided to go from the start with Please Please Me from 1963 to the end, Abbey Road, or Let It Be, depending on which way you look at it. But I'm going to do Abbey Road as the last record. So on Please Please Me, released in March 1963, we have the title track dropping six years, and here's a sample of them. And Love Me Do drops two years right at the end, and that's it for their debut album.
1: Their first record did very well. It sold 100,000 copies. That was Love Me Do. The best thing was it came to the charts in two days, and everybody thought it was a fiddle because our managers' stores send in these, what is it, record things. Returns. Returns. And everybody down south thought, oh, he's buying them himself or he's just fiddling the charts, you know, but he wasn't.
2: It was bought by the kids. I mean, we had a big following. Yeah. And who'd had a record? You know, Arthur Askey was the last one, I think,
3: (laughs) out of Liverpool. It got to, whatever, 17 within the following weeks after it came out, and I don't recall what happened to then. It probably just died off and went. But it meant that next time we went back to EMI, they were really more friendly. Oh, hello, lads. Come in. Yes, okay.
1: The reason I love this picture, it's not just the picture, it's the story you tell about how at that time you were still getting advisories as to when your music would play on the BBC. Oh yeah, that was great because we were touring England and uh, you know to have that piece of vinyl, I mean you'll never understand how big that was to us to have a record. You know, I mean, okay, we're playing to bigger audiences, but now we've got a piece of, a record, man. I mean, far out. And so that, you know, because of the BBC, we'd find the running order, and it'd be, at 9.17, uh, they were gonna play uh, Love Me Do, it something, because so we were all in the same car. A lot, uh, a lot of the time we were in a van with uh, Mal driving, or we were in a car and Paul was driving. And we'd pull over, because we wow, it's on radio.
0: Love me too. And as of 2023 Please Please Me has sold about 1.6 million copies worldwide So the Beatles may have felt bad for only having 8 heavenly years on their debut album So they released the rocking She Loves You in August 1963 with a whopping 29 years And if you flip the single over to side two, the stalkingly titled I'll Get You has an impressive 14 years. And the next non-album single was I Wanna Hold Your Hand with a solid three years.
4: And when I say that something
0: So that's a total of 55 years by November 1963 when they dropped their second album with The Beatles. With The Beatles was the album where they really stepped up their year game. It Won't Be Long has 55 years. And here's another quick year from I Want to Hold Your Hand. So back to It Won't Be Long, which I mentioned has 55 years. And here's some of them. Not a second time was clearly a statement or a cry for help from John who wrote the song, as he doesn't sing Yeah for a second time with just one. And
5: that's
0: it for album number two. And as of 2023, With the Beatles has sold about 1.1 million records worldwide. The Beatles' third album, Hard Day's Night, was released in July 1964 and their year count was already at 71, mainly due to It Won't Be Long. So, A Hard Day's Night contained 13 songs, all written by the band and it was their first all-original composition album. And to be honest, it's super disappointing in the year department despite its sales of about 5.3 million copies. So, the whole album has just two piddly years. There's one year in When I Get Home And two years in Hard Day's Night
2: So you can hear that and then it comes back up Mm. And it's got a ringy, it's got a slightly synthetic sound to it It Sounds like George Midas. Yeah, that's what I mean We loved all of that It's like being professors in a laboratory You were just discovering all these little things And the cord at the front.
1: It's been a hard day's night And I've been working like a
4: dog It's been a hard day's night I should be sleeping like a log But when I get home to you I
1: find the things that you do Will make me feel alright
0: Here's one of Hard Day's Night's Yes. So, Beatles for Sale was the next album released by the guys and they re-added some cover versions. The whole album, which was released in December 1964, had just four years on two songs. I'll Follow the Sun has one of the quickest years in their catalogue. And Every Little Thing has three. Hard Day's Nights sold about 5.4 million copies so far. So up to this date, the Beatles' year total was 78. Two unnecessary covers on their next album, Help, but the years start to climb a little bit too. So there are no years on side two of Help, but on side one is where we find some magic. Both of the year songs on Help were mainly written by John Lennon, and track six is the year mentioning You're Gonna Lose That Girl with Two Years in total. And here's one of those subtle two years in the bridge. So next is track seven off Help, and it's a song which has five years and it's a Ticket to Ride, and it was the Beatles' seventh number one in the UK and the eighth number one in the US and most other places. Yep, no way too. If we flip over the single for Ticket to Ride and the B-side, Yes It Is, is also penned by John with a single year at the end of each bridge. And those years put our year count at 99. The B-side to Help was also a year mentioner and the song's called I'm Down. And it has seven years, including five in a row that I embarrassingly missed in the Triple Up episode. So the years in I'm Down take us to 106. So Rubber Soul was the album when the Beatles more or less recorded their own self pen music and they poo-pooed adding cover songs on their albums. Rubber Soul was released in December 1965, on the 3rd of December 1965 to be precise. And as I said, the year count was 106. And just before we get into the Rubber Soul record, in December 65, they also released a non-album single, the double A-side classic Day Tripper with We Can Work It Out. And Paul's We Can Work It Out is piss weak on the years, but if you flip over to Day Tripper, that nugget has a magical five years. And Day Tripper's years take us to 111. And if we pop track one, side, one on, Rubber Soul starts ridiculously strong with the years, with Paul's Drive My Car dropping a total of five. That promise and tease was quickly replaced by disappointment with the rest of the album having zero years on it. But we're still at a pretty solid 116 years for the Beatles' career to date. And to date, Rubber Soul has sold about 8.6 million copies. So Revolver was dumped in August 1966, and once again, it starts super strong in the year department with George's first years on Taxman, and Taxman has five two-syllable years. But unfortunately, once again, the Beatles started super strong with the years and then disappoint with the rest of the album. So Taxman brings us to 121 years. Revolver did go on to sell 7.1 million records worldwide despite its shit year count. So next up we have an album that some people call the greatest album ever. I don't even think it's the greatest Beatles album, but it is an absolute cracker and it was released in May 1967. And as I said, the year count stood at 121. Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was the first album recorded by the band after their live retirement. So hopefully they were feeling positive enough and have the extra time to focus on the years. So 13 songs of possibility were recorded for the album. And the first line of the first song sort of tempted me with this line. It was 20. Which they could have easily changed to 20 years ago today, which would have helped me out a bit. And I think there's a year as the last word on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the song. And you can check it out here. Lonely Hearts Club band. And I'm going to count it here as it's the only fucking year on the whole fucking album. Sgt. Pepper's, in a way, the whole album was your statement saying, no, we're no longer the Beatles. Now we're this imaginary band, Sergeant Peppers. And you came up with
2: that on a plane. I was coming back on a plane, and um, I was with our roadie, Mal. He said, we pass passed the Salt and Pepper. And he said, Salt and Pepper. I said, what? He said, Salt and Pepper. And I thought he said, Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> that was it? I said, that's great. Wait a minute, hold that right there. So I had, that was the idea planted. And then, because I'd been listening to all this sort of alternative music, I thought, what about that for an idea? You know, we'll pretend we're another band when we make this album. And the idea was, when you walk up to the microphone, John, you won't be John Lennon. You'll be a guy out of this group, so you can do anything you want. So that's why the uniforms are on the, you know, we went down to... The tailors in Soho, Berman's—we all got measured for all the suits and everything. We did it full, full tilt, you know, and uh, it kind of worked, you know. It allowed us to do crazier things than we might otherwise have done. So, um, so when George brought up the uh, "Within You, Without You," and nobody was there, going, "Oh, George, we don't really want any Indian music on this album. We're a rock and roll," you know, right. it was like. It was like, yeah, come on, let's see what happens, you know. Let's, so, you know, liberating was, was a good word for it. For me, it was kind of a bit tiring, or it was a bit boring because, um, I mean, I had
3: a few moments in there that I enjoyed, but generally I didn't really like that album much. My heart was still in India, you know. I mean, that was the big thing for me when that happened in the 66. I... It was the, after that everything else seemed like hard work, you know, it was a job, it was like doing something I didn't really want to do. I was losing interest in being fab at that point. There's a man
4: there you know, he's the host of the show, and you'll find that he fucking hates quiet.
0: Off, mate. <laughs> Despite a very disappointing year album, Sgt Pepper is actually the Beatles' biggest selling album ever, even including compilations, etc. With around 32 million album sales to date, and was the biggest selling album of the 60s. So Sgt Pepper's one piddly year takes us to 122. So, the Magical Mystery Tour album is next, and it was released in December 1967 and continues this very dark year period for the band. It's also a very disappointing album in the year stakes, with only the last song, John's All You Need Is Love, having seven years sung by Paul at the end. And here they are. And I think by this time, the public were pretty disappointed with the Beatles due to the lack of years on the previous few albums. And the sales of Magical Mystery Tour dropped down to about just over 7 million. And we're at 129 years. So album sales had dropped a little bit, as I mentioned, from Sgt Pepper's to Magical Mystery Tour. And next up, we have the self-titled Beatles album or the White Album, and it has 29 songs of opportunity and let's see if it's a return to form for sales and for years. Once again, the Beatles love to tease with track one back in the USSR, which is three years, which is a pretty good start to a great album with an average song by Beatles standards, in my opinion.
5: In the USSR. The first track on the LP is "Back in the USSR." It sure is, Tony. Quite right. Boy. <laughs> um, can, we, can we just talk about this yeah. particular about this particular track because it, it's a back uh, in the USSR. Yeah, it's a okay. wild rocking thing. Yeah, um, that's a track which uh, it just sort of you know came. Because Chuck Berry once did a song called "Back in the USA," which is very American, very Chuck Berry, very sort of. Uh, uh, you know, he was serving in the army, and when I get back home, I'm going to kiss the ground. of America. You know, like, I can't wait to get back to the States. And it's a very American sort of thing, I've always thought, that kind of... So this one is like about, uh, to, in my mind, it's just about a, a a spy sort of who's been in America a long, long time, you know, some fellow has been in America a long time, and he's picked up and he's very American, but he gets back to USSR, you know, where... Uh, and he's sort of saying, you know, leave it till tomorrow, honey, to disconnect, you know, to disconnect the phone and all that. And come here, honey, and put, with Russian women in that. You see, what, what it is, it concerns the attributes of Russian women. Soul element created by George's guitar and heavy brass. <laughs> <laughs> Flipside platter.
0: Track three, we start to rise with Glass Onion dropping a sweet six years. So nine years in three songs on side one, with three and a half sides to go on this double album, is a pretty good start. And that gets us to 138 years. John didn't like this song, Obla oh, blood die am I correct? Who says? You were in On Vacation. No,
2: John did like that song. He liked it. I think so, yeah. I mean, we, were, we weren't on vacation, but we were in Rishikesh studying meditation with Maharishi. Yes. And um, we used to go to the clubs mm-hmm. late at night. Drink, dance, maybe a little food. And there was a friend of mine who I befriended in the clubs. He was an African guy. He was called Jimmy Scott. And, you know, we would jive together just, hey, man, you know what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he would say, oh, bloody, oh, bloody, life goes on, brah. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man. You know, and I just loved this. And I would go, oh, bloody, Jimmy, you know. And he, he had a few other sayings. Nothing's too much, just out of sight. Right. You know, so I loved all these little sayings. So uh, I wrote the song in... Lyrics first or music first? Together. Together. Yeah. Which is kind of often how it happens. You, know, you just got some chords and you, you, you make a song up. And one thing I always love about the intro, the, that piano dun, dun, in, dun, dun, intro. Dun. Dun. So
0: fast, too. It's like...
2: Well, what happened was me, George, and Ringo... Were kind of slaving over this, right? And John wasn't there yet. John, he was late, yes, again. Aha, uh-huh. well, he's busy. <laughs> Come on, God knows what, so we're not getting anywhere with it. Chinga, 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 chinga. It was thinking, Oh, god, this isn't it's not happening. And John comes in to the studio, he says, What are you doing? What, what's happening? What are we you know, what, working what, on? We're we working on. I say, Obladee he goes. Oh, oh, that one. He goes over oh, to the piano. He goes, all right. What key? Okay, yeah. And A. Hey, he goes, just like that. And we all fall in behind him. and Go, yes. Because that's, that's what the he needed. That ding 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 ding, ding, ding,
0: ding, ding And the the isn't that great when someone comes in with a fresh set yeah. of ears and just goes, okay, I got it.
2: Yeah. Oh man, what a that's what really a story. A great little
0: memory, yeah. Track four is Obladee Obladar, and we're doing well with another five years thrown on the pile. Those five years get us to 143, and George Harrison's second years were recorded on the 5th and 6th of September in 1968, and thankfully he chucks nine in a row in the fade-out of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Two,
3: mainly side one, which I like very much with, you know, uh, Glass Onion and, um, what else, Glass Onion gone, gone.
1: Star, yeah. Star,
3: well, I like that. Gently weep, yeah. which I thought was a great track.
1: How did that come about?
3: How did you sort of um, write that one song? I wrote it at my mother's house in the north of England. Oh, yeah. I just had my guitar, and uh, I think I, I just opened... Oh, that's right, I just wanted to write a song. And I do this often, actually. If I haven't got particularly an idea for a song, then I'm, I believe in a bit like I Ching, you know, where it's everything is at that moment is relative to that situation. So with, with When My Guitar Gently Weeps, I think was typical of that. I just opened a book that uh, that was around. I just opened it. And the first thing I looked at became the song and it was something about Gently Weeps. And then from that, it my, the whole thought started going. And I just wrote the song then, just closed the book again. And I had the idea. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. We did it. Uh, I think, you know, Eric Clapton playing guitar that. I think lots of people, some people wrote letters to me saying, you've got a really good blues feel where you play that guitar. And uh, uh, we didn't publicize it, but we didn't like, keep it a secret. No. Eric's sort of a good friend of mine and I really dig him as a... Uh, Guitarist and as a guy,
1: because you got you got Eric to go to Toronto with John, didn't you? Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I suggested again. Eric because I know he's yeah. he really likes being on the road, <laughs> self torture. Yeah, <laughs> and he digs all that, yeah. and um, he's very good at being put in a situation, and he'll come out of it. You know, he'll he, he's good at improvising and. Um, just you know, adapting a very short notice to the situation.
6: There's a
4: man there you know He's the host of the show and you'll find that he also hates
6: saxophone.
5: enough of that. Um, The idea of the happiness is a warm gun thing is from an advert in an American paper. Um, It said, you know, happiness is a warm gun, something, and it was sort of get ready for the long hot summer with a rifle, you know, come and buy them now. It was an advert in a gun magazine, you know, and it was so sick. You know, the, the idea of uh, come and buy your killing weapons and come and get it. And it was just a, such a great line, that happens to Warm Gun, that uh, John sort of took that and, and uses that as a chorus. Yeah. And the rest of the words I think they're great words. It's a poem, it's a poem when it finishes off, happens as a warm on yes it is. Uh, so in fact, he's probably fairly serious about uh, oh, it's serious as it. It's as serious as anyone ever gets, I mean, it, it's not deadly serious. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's just words, and if you sort of really taxed him on it and said, you know, um, you'd be willing to die for these words, I'm sure he wouldn't, I'm sure it's not really serious. But, you know, they're good words. I'd
1: stick up for anyone who's sort of, uh, worried by, about it. you know, they, just, it's just good poetry. And uh, it had happiness as a warm gun on, on the cover, and on the cover it had a picture of a gun that had just been shot, was smoking, you know? Yeah. And I thought, how incredible the fact that happiness is a thing, a, a warm gun that's just shot something, yeah. or somebody. And that's why I wrote the song, the first half of it goes, She's not a girl who misses much was something I was writing, vaguely connected with the ocho. It was just when I was first meeting her. Uh, <laughs> and these are all different segments of songs, and I just wove them all together, different songs. Stuck them all in one piece and made like a little miniature uh, well, was, collage. Yeah. You know, like instead of an album collage, like Pepper, this was all done in the one song. And it went through the different styles of rock, and it also was about a gun, not about heroin or anything and in those days I had no idea about heroin I' never seen it and I no. knew anybody that it's ever touched naive. it or taken it
4: she's not a girl who misses much
1: oh yeah she's well acquainted with the touch of the velvet hand like a lizard
4: on a windowpane. The crowd
1: with the multicoloured mirrors on his hub nail boots. Lying with his eyes while his hands are busy working over time. A soap impression of his wife
4: which he ate and donated to the National Trust.
0: And to finish outside one of the White Album is John's Happiness a Warm Gun, one of my favourite songs and it has five sweet years in there bloody good stuff
1: nobody can do me no harm oh, yeah. because
4: Happiness. it's a warm-
0: So with George's nine years in While My Guitar Gently Weeps and John's five years in Happiness's Warm Gun, that takes us to 157. So flipping over to side two, Rocky Raccoon has six years, including two triple years, which I've missed, and here they are. Rocky Raccoon. Um, I was sitting on the roof in
5: India, uh, just with guitar, John and I were sitting around just playing guitar, and we were with Donovan, and uh, we were just sitting around enjoying ourselves, and I started playing those called the chords of Rocky Raccoon, you know, just messing around. And it was originally it was Rocky Sassoon, Rocky Sassoon. Uh, and then we just started, we started making up the words, you know, the three of us, and started just to write them down. They came very quickly. And eventually I changed it from Sassoon to Raccoon, because it sounded more like a cowboy. So there it is, it's just, you know, these kind of things, you can't really talk about how they come, because they just come into your head, you know, they really do. And it's like John writing his books, you know, there's, there's no, I don't know how he does it, and he doesn't know how he does it, but he just writes, and he just writes it. It's like any writer, you know, there's, I think people who actually do create and write you, you tend to read in and think oh well, now how did he do that how did but it actually does flow just flows from the, into their head into their hand and they write it down you know and that's what happened with this not, I, I don't know anything about the appalachian mountains or cowboys and indians or anything but i just made it up you know? and the doctor came in stinking of gin and proceeded to lie on the table <laughs> so there you are
0: So as we head to side three of the White Album, we have 163 years in total. So let's swap discs and see what magic may lay ahead on side three. Once again, the Beatles come out strong and tease with the opening track with three years in the average song, Birthday. And here's one of them in the second line.
5: The Girl Can't Help It was on television. That's an old rock film. um, With Little Richard and Pat Domino and Eddie Cochran and a few others, Gene Vincent. And we wanted to see it, so um, we started recording at five o'clock, and we said, well, we something we'll just do a backing track we'll make up a backing track so we kept it very simple 12 bar blues kind of thing and we and we stuck a few bits here and there in it with no idea what the song was or what was going to go on top of it we just said okay uh 12 bars in a then we'll change to d and then we'll do a few beats in c you know we really just did it like that random thing and then we came back because we didn't have time for anything else and so we just recorded this backing and we came back here to my house and watched um The girl can't help it. Then we went back to the studio again and then made up some words to go with it all. Uh, which were, they, they say it's your birthday, well, it's my birthday too, yay. Um, so this the, this song was just made up in an evening. Um, you know, we hadn't ever thought of it before then. And it's one of my favorites, you know, because of that. I think it works, you know, because it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a good one to dance to. And like a big, long drum break, But just because instead of, well, normally we might have sort of four bars of drums. But with, with this, we just you know, keep it going, you know, let's keep our like You know, we all like to hear just drums, So um, no more
0: explanation. Then a lone solitary year at the end of Year Blues. And that's a song that has so much potential from the title, but only one year. Mother Nature's Son also has a triple year. Then we find two years in Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey. And he is one of those super fast years. And then Paul drops eight magical years in Helter Skelter.
5: Just because I'd read a review of a record, which it, where it said, and um, this group, it was about some group, I don't remember saying, and this group really goes wild, and they, and they just. This like echo on everything they're screaming their heads off and i just i just remember thinking oh it'd be great to do one. another pity they've done it you know it must be great really screaming record and that. and then i heard their record and it was quite strange and it was very sort of very sophisticated it wasn't uh, rough and, and screaming and tape echo at all so i thought oh well we'll do one like that then and uh, i had this song called hell skelter which is just a ridiculous song so we did it like that because i like noise
0: So side three of the White Album was a bit of a purple patch for years with 17 in total, taking our overall total to 180. So as we head over to side four, we only find one single year. And that year is a creepy, subtle year in Paul's Honey Pie. And probably due to the year count on the White Album, sales jump back up to nearly Well done, guys. And I've heard a lot of people say the White Album would have been a better record if it had less songs on it. It did have 52 fucking years on it. But here's Paul McCartney's take on that.
2: You know, I'm, I'm not a great one for that. You know, maybe it was too many of that. Look, what do you mean? It was great. It sold. It's the bloody Beatles White Album. Shut up. How the fuck was that?
0: So there was zero singles released off the White Album, but the Beatles did release a single ..a couple of months before they released the White Album... ..and that song has 18 years in it and a bunch of NAS. And it was a massive single. 13 weeks at number one in Australia... two weeks at number one in Britain... ..and nine weeks at number one in America... ..and a bunch of other countries, including Norway.
2: I was driving out to John's house... ..after John and Cynthia had got divorced... And I was just going out to say hello to Cynthia and Julian. And I started coming up with these words. In my own mind, it was, I was kind of talking to Julian. Hey, Jules, don't take it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. You know, be all right. So I kind of got the first sort of idea on the way out there with this Hey, Jules, as I thought it was going to be called. It seemed a little bit of a mouthful, so um, I changed it to Jude. And then I liked the song a lot, and I I played it to John and Yoko when I'd finished it all, Uh, or I I actually had finished, but I thought there was a little more to go because there was just one bit of the words, which was the movement you'll need. The movement you need is on your shoulder, and I'm playing it, and I just looked at John and said, "I'll fix that. I'll fix that." He said, "What?" I said, "Well, you know, the movement you need is on your shoulder. I've used the word shoulder once." And anyway, it's a stupid expression. It sounds like a parrot, you know. I'll change that. He said, You won't, you know. He said, That's the best line in the song, you know. What? He said, I know what it means. The movement you need is on your shoulder. It's great. It's kind of. So that was the great thing about Johnny, whereas I would definitely knock that line out. He said, It's great. I'd see it through his eyes and go, Oh, okay. So that is the sort of line now when I do that song. That's the line when I think of John, you know.
0: When did you realize that Paul McCartney, the Beatles song, Hey Jude, which was originally Hey Jules, was really about you?
5: (laughs) Well, I mean, he did, he did, we actually, when I was uh, probably, uh, I think it was doing some promotional work on the, on the, the promotional circuit, shall I say, uh, actually in New York for the first album, and we were both doing, this, Paul and I were both doing the same show, mm-hmm. uh, and it was at the Carlisle Hotel, mm-hmm. I remember it quite clearly, it's got a couple of pictures of us there, and I, I wanted to confirm it with him, because you know I hadn't really spoken to him during my teens as such, so, And you know he just confirmed that that was the case and that was the song. And then, you know, I think I've heard that song more than any other (laughs) human. I thank him for it for it dearly, but it's almost sent me to the loony bin.
4: (laughs) Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song.
0: So as I said, Hey Jude has 18 years, and that takes us to a total of 198. I thought we were going to get to about 300, but not sure now. We'll see how we go. So Yellow Submarine is next, and it was released in January 1969. And I'm guessing it'll be slim pickings, as it only has six vocal songs on side one, with side two being taken up by George Martin's orchestra score for the Yellow Submarine movie. And yep, I was right. It's a pretty shitty album in terms of years. John's Hey Bulldog has a single subtle backing vocal Yeah in the third verse. All You Need Is Love is also on Yellow Submarine, but we've already counted that, as the song is also on Magical Mystery Tour. So Hey Bulldog's single year trickles us to 199. And the shitty year count on Yellow Submarine took sales back down to a miserable 1.2 million, which we would all welcome with open arms, but it's pretty dismal by Beatles' numbers. You got- And with two albums to go, we'll see if the Beatles can lift their sales numbers and their year count. Oh, shit, there's another year in Hey Bulldog. So that takes us to 200. Well done. So let's do Let It Be next. Even though it was released after Abbey Road, it was mainly recorded before Abbey Road. So that's just how we're going to play it. And here's producer George Martin sort of talking about that time.
7: Prior to Abbey Road, we had recorded an album called Let It Be. And Let It Be eventually was issued after Abbey Road, but we weren't to know that at the time. And the idea for Let It Be was a good one, but it never really materialised. The basic idea was that John and Paul and George should write new songs for the album that were going to be really good and we would vet them and make sure they were good and maybe do demo tracks for them. But the actual album itself, we thought, let's make a live album. We'd never done this. For the first time, let's make a live album of original music before an audience. And that was what we wanted to do with Let It Be. It, the idea founded because we couldn't find anywhere which would take an audience in England in the middle of winter, that an audience big enough it was, and, as usual, the Beatles want to do everything at an hour's notice, and you can't organise these things very quickly. And they also wanted to record in their own studio, at, uh, in several Row, which was not equipped properly. So in order to accommodate that, I had to move in a lot of equipment from Abbey Road into their studio, and the designer, Magic Alex, had forgotten to put a hole in the wall for the wires to go through. So, I mean, all those silly kind of things. And the studio wasn't ideal, but we worked in it. And we had the further irritation of um, being followed by a camera wherever we went. So that during all the recordings, there were handheld cameras being over my shoulder, being shot and so on. Every word was recorded forever. And the the feeling between the boys wasn't good. There were fights, there were rows. Yoko was always there. It was an unhappy record. I was losing control. My voice wasn't heard. And I got very dispirited indeed. And John's demands that we should make this an honest album. None of your production rubbish, he would say. I don't want any editing. I want everything to be live. Um, you, all we do is record it and you tell me when it's right. And it got very tedious because it wasn't right. You know, I would say, that was 19, John. There was a bit of a fluff on the bass guitar. Easy to edit. No, we're not doing any editing. OK, we'll do another take. 20, okay, 21, 22, 23, never right, vocals not so good in that one, okay. 53, you know, it got really, really tedious. And the album, in the end, because of this stricture, was not a perfect album. So the only way I could think of making something out of it was to make it like a documentary. I was working with Glenn Johns, who was a very good engineer, who's a producer now. And we agreed that we would put it in, warts and all, put in the mistakes, put in the countins, put in the chit-chat in between takes and make it like a, like a private eye dropping in on the Beatles. And that was how I made the album. But then after Abbey Road was issued, Paul rang me up one day and said, do you know what's happened to Let It Be? I said, no. He said, they've taken it to America and they've given it to Phil Spector and he's been doing all the things that John said he wouldn't do and they've put heavenly choirs and all sorts of soupy strings on, on it, on my songs. He was furious, so was I. And that was how I let it be evolved eventually. And then the final snub was that um, EMI said, well, we wouldn't have your name, my name on the album because Phil Spector had now produced it. And I said, well, look, why don't you, let's have a compromise. Why don't you say, produced by George Martin, overproduced by Phil Spector.
0: That is a great shit on in a gentlemanly British accent. Years later, they did release Let It Be without the Phil Spector fluff on it, and it was called Let It Be Naked. And I definitely do prefer some of the production choices on there, especially on the soppy string stuff like Long and Winding Road. It's actually a pretty good song under all the fluff. And a quadruple, yeah, mention. mentioned So, if you've never heard Let It Be Naked, I'm just going to play the last minute or so of Long and Winding Road off Let It Be with Phil Spector's 1940s movie like strings and also a fucking choir. Then I'll play the naked version without all the cheese sprinkled on top. Here's the fucking choir. stupid reason they did remove the years from the naked version
2: I've seen that room before. It always leads me here and leads me
5: to your door. Sort of like the Wizard of Oz. Did you ever
4: see the Wizard of Oz? No, 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 I didn't, but I. Didn't. Big road, yeah. mm-hmm. There's something about pleasure. From, uh, the, the many ways I've
0: tried it. Yeah. Just jumping ahead here, the Letter B album is a massive return to form for years. I won't tell you the number, but Dig a Pony has won. Get Back has two, and here's one of them. Let It Be has five.
2: Why did Paul McCartney write Let It Be? I had a dream. It was in the years when we were probably overdoing everything, drinking and staying out too late and getting crazy. So I was a bit sort of exhausted and I went to bed. Anyway, I had a dream. And my mother, who died probably about 10 years previously, was in the dream, she came to me in the dream. It's a magic moment, because you're actually there with your mother. So she seemed to know that I was a bit stressed out, and she said, don't worry, it's, it's, it's gonna be fine. Just let it be. And I thought, wow, and just felt really great that my mother had given me that advice, and woke up and was just remembering the dream, and I thought, what did she say? She said, let it be. And so I thought that was a great idea for a song. So I uh, went to the piano and, and wrote it.
4: When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom.
0: Broken heart. I've always absolutely loved let it be and I could listen to the whole song but I better play out one of the quick airs Yeah there will be answer let it be. let
4: it be
0: let it be The one after 909 has a pre solo yeah from John I've got a feeling, has a supercharged yeah count of 41. get us to
2: 254
0: So Let It Be is another jump in the album sales back up to about 6 million copies to date and that finishes up the Let It Be album So another non-album single is John's The Ballad of John and Yoko which is a non-year mentioner but if we flip over to the B side it's George's third year mentioning song Old Brown Shoe with three and not just any old three three in a row So heading into our last album here abbey road we sit at 257 and let's see what my favorite album of all time abbey road delivers in the year department we already heard polythene pam in the triple up episode and john sings the triple year twice so two times three is six and 257 and six is 263 we're on our way to the end. So track one on Abbey Road is John Lennon's classic Come Together and that logs an even 10 and we move up to 273.
2: with John Lennon. Every time the Beatles release an LP or a single, the pop music business usually changes direction. The changes instigated by their latest contribution,
4: Abbey Road, will most certainly be noticed. In this show, John exclusively discusses the new Beatles collection, Track by Track.
3: Well, John, the, the first track on the LP is the Come Together song, which is yeah. your vocal, and uh, is it, in fact, you, you wrote the song as well? Yes, yes.
1: Uh, I've heard whispers that it's the it will be the next American single. No, if uh, if anything, it might be the B-side. I think we've probably put something out as a single out there. I think that's about the best track on the album, actually, George's track. And they, they had it, you know how they always get our records before they're out over there somehow. We've got a spy in England who sends them the oh, tapes. right. <laughs> and uh, they were playing something so so much they had an advanced thing of it. They're red hot for it over there, so we'll probably release it over there as a single. I don't know what will happen here. Uh-huh. Now, the come together side is... Um is a fairly different song as far as the group's concerned. Uh, the come-together track? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, you know. I mean, I think it's pretty funky, you know. I'm biased because it's my song, I dig it, you know. And uh, it just I, it just happened well, you know. It's a nice, funky sound on it. Uh, what, what was the, the effect right at the beginning, that we're going to hear in a minute, right at the beginning, the sort of uh, whistling tone. Oh, it's me going... On tape I go. All right. right, it's sort of compressed then, is not it? No, it's not compressed, it's just, I was sort of going through my hands like that.
5: Great, okay, well, we'll, we'll hear it right now. Come together.
0: John Lennon's "I Want You, She's So Heavy" logs one sneaky single year.
3: I want you, she's so heavy. i um, correct, right? It's. I suppose it is the heaviest track on
1: the LP. If we're going to get into that, uh, yeah, you know, bagism, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty heavy. The ending, you know. Uh, could we use the Moog synthesizer on it?
3: Oh, that's, that's what all that
1: yes, electronic yeah, is. The range of the, the sound is from, you know, minus whatever to way over where you can't hear it, you know. The, the, that machine, the Moog synthesizer, can, yeah. can do all sound, you know, all ranges of sound. So we did that on the end. So if you're a dog, you could hear a lot more. <laughs>
0: No more years from John on Abbey Road and none from George at all. Let's check out what Paul McCartney has for us. And Paul refrains from any yearing until track seven on side two, which is 13 songs into the album. And he drops just a single year in She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. the last song the Beatles ever recorded together with all four of them present and the reason that I wanted to do Abbey Road last and as a farewell, Paul gives us one last year before they say goodbye and that's 276 But for anyone who knows the Abbey Road album, there's a throwaway ditty that isn't listed on the track listing called Her Majesty. And it's considered to be the first hidden or secret track on any album. And it also drops a lonely yeah in it too. So that gets us to... 277. Her
4: Majesty's a pretty nice girl But she doesn't have a lot to say Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl But she changes from day to day I want to tell her that I love her a lot But I gotta get a belly full of wine My majesty's a pretty nice girl Someday I'm gonna make a mine Oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine
0: And Abbey Road has sold nearly 20 million records. But if this hasn't bored the shit out of you and you're still listening, they did drop two singles in the 90s, one called Real Love and one called Free as a Bird, and they have a combined total year count of zero so 277 is our grand total of years in the beatles catalogue so the beatles wrote 188 original compositions and one is pretty much an instrumental flying from magical mystery tour which just has ours in it so we won't count that so let's call it 187 songs and 58 of them have years in them so that's a pretty healthy year percentage of 30.85 and a B plus on my yearometer, and clearly a world record, as no one else would ever look. And oh, I never do something this stupid, pointless, or time-consuming again. But it was good fun. It was a buzz to listen to a bunch of old Beatles songs, especially the early stuff, because I haven't listened to some of that since the early 1920s. Yeah, the Beatles catalog has some poop in there, but some absolute undisputed magic as well. So their most yearing album was With the Beatles with 63 Years and their most yearing song was I Got a Feeling with 41 Years. It'll probably come as no surprise to you, and after spending 10 minutes discussing it on the phone in which that time he could have done it, but thinks it's better that I waste my time recording yet another fucking track, just so he doesn't have to do anything. So yeah, you guess it this week there'll be no recapping the magic. So try and lay down tonight, not here yeah. And just some last yearness from the Beatles, the last time they ever performed live was the famous Rooftop Concert on January the 30th, 1969. And the very last song they played was Get Back. The studio version of Get Back had just two years. I think Paul McCartney sensed the weight of the occasion and threw in an impromptu 10 years just to put a full stop on the Beatles' amazing career. And here those 10 years are and if you made it this far thank you so much for listening and I just want to do a few personal thanks to a few people who have reached out since I've been back with some kind words or some sort of somethingness or general say hello tree. So Ross Hetherington, who I missed in last week's episode. Zero and Zero, well done, Roscoe. Glenn Howard, Rally Williams, Dave Brick, Dave Flint and Luke Plummer for song recommendations and rollerblading accident reports. Damo Forks, Andrew Collier for bread and kind words. Thanks, mate. Steve Schenk, Samuel Leftovic. You and you can say hey to me at a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast on instagram oh just sms me you're probably a friend please rate review and share 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 she loves you share 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 fucking do it um i guess that's all see ya